Welcome to the False Neutral Podcast. This is episode 124 for May of 2022. And all three of your hosts are with you. Eric, Garrett, how are you guys doing? Mm, pretty good. Waiting for spring. Me too. Have, have you had any decent weather there? We've had two days where it got up to 80 degrees. And other than that, it's been at most 55 degrees and damp. And today it's been raining all day. Well, severe weather season has come to Tornado Alley, so. We had our wettest April ever on record. That's probably good for you guys, because haven't you been in a drought for like five years there? Or three yeah. or five years? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. We need the rain, but it's no fun when, I mean, it always rains all the time, but when it's raining even more, I mean, come on. There's only mm-hmm. so much a Northwesterner can take. <laughs> At least you had good weather for your camping trip. Yeah, well, actually, we got snowed out on our oh, last that's right. day. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I, but you weren't riding through the mud the whole time. Yeah. Well, no, it was. it's really dry out there, in part because it's all like volcanic. There's a lot of ash mixed in with the soil, mm-hmm. so everything drains really mm-hmm. well. Um, I forgot. So I our last podcast happened before that camping trip, didn't it? No. You talked about it and we oh, had okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause because yeah. I put a picture of your wife yep. on Hooniverse. Right. But one thing that we didn't talk about last time that you sent us some pictures of is the demon mutt RZ three fifty. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into our workshop update and Garrett kick us off. You told us last time that you had stripped all the bondo off the tank and it had some massive dents in it yes uh yeah so i guess i've actually been doing quite a lot in the workshop since uh the last time we talked but yeah so this rz350 we're talking about right now it is um what is it it's just uh it's just kind of a rat bike it's there there's actually like a fair bit of nice parts on this motorcycle it's got some like nice tarosi rear sets and at some point someone had put Kawasaki ZX-6 front and rear suspension, which actually bolts on. It's, you know, quite a big improvement over what was on the RZ350 originally. Uh, Now, the gas tank that I had, uh, it was never on this bike, but it was just sort of an extra gas tank that I'd had laying around for a while. And it looked very nice on the outside, (laughs) but it was also covered in some epoxy primer. And I just really doubted that the gas tank was as nice as it appeared. So while I was having some other parts, uh, I just took them to a chemical dip stripper place and uh, had them strip that one down. And yeah, it's it's, uh, like, I mean... (laughs) I can't believe there must have been two inches of Bondo in some places of this gas tank. It's it amazing. Yeah. And they actually spent a lot of time making the Bondo look nice because on the outside of the tank, I mean, dang, it looked it looked good. It looked like a really nice tank. What I had thought about doing is just getting on Amazon one of those little like borescope deals and just like looking on the inside of the tank. Mm-hmm. But I figured it doesn't matter anyways because... I was going to just strip it down no matter what I did with it. But the tank is is in such bad shape. And this RZ350 also, 
like it's got a lot of nice parts on it, but it's also pretty horrendous looking. And so, you know, it's a lot of work to make it into a nice bike. And I don't think it's really worth making into a nice bike. So my plan was to just um, kind of fix a few things and then ride it as is. When I got the motorcycle, it was like technically a running and riding motorcycle, but it had no Kickstarter on it. You had to push start. I think it was being like track ridden. And so I had robbed some parts off of it to uh, put them on my other RZ350, the Kenny Roberts. This this, um, head was off the cylinders and then some moisture got on the cylinder walls. And so there was some like surface rust on them. So I just pulled the whole engine out. I'm going to just do a generic rebuild and hone the cylinders, kind of put it all back together and, and probably just ride it. It'll be fun. You know, the thing is extremely light. Uh, it's got, and today I, I spent just a little bit of time on the frame and because it's never going to be an RZ350 again, I cut every tab off of the frame that wasn't like a main bracing tube. Uh, so that's what I was doing all day today was just cutting and grinding every little tab and bracket off of it that was for factory equipment. Just cut all, everything off of it. Um, so it'll be a really light motorcycle. And I think I'm going to just put, I've got a set of um, 421 cylinders. Well, they're not, they're, they're big bore Banshee cylinders. Uh, and with a four mil crankshaft, it would be a 421 CC. And I have all the stuff. I, I don't have a crankshaft, but I have the cylinders, I have pistons. And so I think what I'll do is just put it all back together, but put a f- four mil crankshaft in it and do put my um, big bore cylinders on it. So it'll be a 421. And it'll be like, it'll have nice parts, but it'll look ugly. So I'm hoping that it works really well, but just looks kind of ratty, which is probably a good that makes it uh, cool personality though, right? for, yeah, yeah. for oh yeah absolutely you know? absolutely i mean there's so many people that deliberately do the rat bike thing yeah but don't put the effort into having it you know maintained properly and functional yeah. Yeah. that uh i'm i'm totally down with just so like i'm going to tear it all the way down mm-hmm. right i mean completely down and um but the frame after i'm done cutting and grinding all the tabs off of it i'm probably just gonna like if I don't rattle cams paint the frame, I'll just do like a single stage out of my HVLP gun and just kind of like get some paint on it. <laughs> and I think I'm just going to use the gas tank, but just clear coat it. I'm just going to leave all the dents in it. It's like, you know, there's no holes. There's no rust in the tank. It's just been through some horrific crashes at some point in its life. So probably just going to put some clear over the tank you almost need to put some like, like, do like this light dusting of yellow and black on it to give yeah. it a hint to what it once was, and then clear right. coat it. Right. I mean, yes, you're going way over the top to do it, but it would be just kind of. Yeah. But it would be carrying that theme, right? Right. You know, have you ever seen like the old like DKWs with the hand hammered aluminum tanks on them yeah. from the 40s? Mm-hmm. It's like I would just clear coat it and and have that bare metal look to it. Yeah. I took the wire, you know, like the air little angle grinder with a wire cup 
and just sort of went over the whole tank. So it's all just looks like it's wire brushed and I'll just probably put a coat of clear on it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, got ZX six suspension. It's going to be a 421. It's going to have all the good go fast bits on it and it'll weigh approximately 260 pounds wow. and it'll have 85 horsepower. That's my kind of bike. Yeah. I mean, that's uh some pretty serious power to weight ratio. Yeah, absolutely. Also with the 421, it'll have just ridiculous torque. Mm-hmm. And you'll have nice wheels. So you can put decent tires on it, you know, and yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'll have a 160 or 170 series rear tire, um, you know, and like a good modern tire with good compound and, right. you know, huge front brakes for what it is. You know, this is a 260 pound bike that's got, you know, these twin, you know, large like sport bike rotors and calipers. So, um, yeah, so that that's going to be pretty cool. Ice. I always thought that there was a little bit of potential in that motorcycle, but it was so ugly. And, and I just sort of have pushed it to the side for so long. And then I was moving around some motorcycles and was looking at it. And that's the day that I messaged you guys and I had taken a picture of it. And I was like, why don't I just ride this thing as is? Like, it can be ugly. That's fine. But if it's, you know, a good running two-stroke street bike, it's all stripped down. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. So what you're saying is expect to see this on bike exif in about three or four months. Yeah. 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 This actually, um, it sort of took my primary focus. Uh, I didn't expect it to, but I just started working on it. And then the more I started taking off of it, the more I was like, Oh, this could be good. <laughs> this could be real good. So, um, I've got it stripped down to just the, the suspension on the frame. Cause I wanted to sort of figure out some geometry with it before I took it all the way apart mm -hmm. and uh, just need to make sure I don't need to do any major changes to like the shock mount in the rear, um, anything like that. So I'll get it up on the, the actual lift, take some measurements off of it. So like one thing I'm sort of undecided on the suspension that's on it, was intended for a 460 pound or 440 pound motorcycle. Right. Now it's, you know, shaved 200 pounds off of that. So it's going to be way too stiff for what it is. Yeah. Revalve it. Yeah. So I think that I will probably end up just sending the shock and the forks off to like race tech or something and just have them rebuilt and resprung and revalved. Um, Cause I don't want, to like put this really nice engine in it mm -hmm. and just miss this huge opportunity by not having suspension that works right on the chassis, you know, and the, it doesn't need to be any more dangerous than it already will be <laughs> considering <laughs> what it is. Right. Right. So like at a minimum, at least it should have suspension and brakes that work effectively. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Let me talk to somebody. Um, because I don't know him well, but I know a lot of uh, uh, corn dog, former flat tracker, but he was uh -huh. he used to be in Olin's tech oh, yeah. and he used to fix the suspension of a few MotoGP riders, yeah. and a lot of Moto America riders. And yeah, yeah. he's, he's corn dogs, corn dogs, pretty, pretty good. So I'll, I'll see if he's still doing some of that on the side. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to pay. And, yeah. you know, I just, I want to, 
I want it to work, you know, as well as it can for, uh, you know, what it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I got pretty into that project. Um, it sort of just kind of snowballed on me. You know, the nice thing about it is there's not a lot of engineering that has to happen on it. You know, the suspension's already bolted on. It needs some fixes, uh, but I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I don't need to do any like big machining or fabrication. Right. Uh, I do need to find a tail section for it. I'm not sure. You know, I would love to have your guys's input on what to do for a tail section because what was on it? Air tech. Well, yeah, but like what style? So I was initially I was thinking like an RS 125 style tail, but I don't know if that's really going to fit. The... I could see the TR750 tail. Yeah. The duck bill would look really cool on that. Yeah. So that is one thing that I'll have to figure out is what tail, and then I'll have to get the tail and then make the mounts for the back end of it. I wish I, I should have taken pictures of what I found when I was taking that thing apart. Like whoever put the tail section on... It was just grotesque, uh, the thing that I took off of this motorcycle. I mean, it was... I was looking at it, it's like, I can tell there's wood underneath it, and there's, like, rusted buttonhead bolts. And, yeah, like, angle uh, iron and, like... Yeah. The, the, like, a zip-tied license plate for, like, an under-fender thing, and it was just... It was really bad. I, like, just... I cut off the end of the frame just ahead of where they had been doing things so i think i'll also probably cut more of the rear subframe off and uh uh, just sort of fabricate a new subframe nothing's crazy but uh yeah so i am working on that i got the vespa scooter completely ready to sell to list i should say so i polished the paint all out Oh, it looks good. I sent some pictures of it to you on Slack. Yep. Yeah, I was just looking at those. I mean, that's all original 1969. I mean, it's hard to find one in nicer condition than that. Do you know how much you're going to ask for it? No, I don't. Um, but if I sell it on Bring a Trailer, which I probably will because people pay stupid money for everything on there. Um, I We were talking about this last month or that's something. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah you were saying was. There was a, uh, you know, a, like same year Super Sport 180, same model. It had had a, it, you know, it was a nice, nice scooter, but it had been repainted at some point. And it's, it sold for like $7,000 or something like that. I mean, I like to think that mine's nicer. At least it's, you know, all original, original paint and everything. Plus, I've got the incredibly ridiculous, but perhaps valuable oem front windshield for it okay yeah which is like three feet tall i mean it goes like it's above your head i mean it is ridiculous looking but it is like i've never seen one like it before which vespa model super sport okay no it's not one listed. i was looking on hemmings because occasionally they'll have some crazy stuff in here too yeah yeah it's a, a well mine is a 69 super sport 180 Okay. Which was the largest because yeah. they went, I think later on there was a rally 200, but right when, when mine was sold, that was like the hot rottest one you yeah. could get. Throughout the fifties and sixties, the Vespa grand sport was the, 
largest displacement they had, and that was a 150. Towards the end, it became 160. So mm. it was, it threw, in the 60s, it was 160, but yours was still, you know, that was the top of the line. So mm-hmm. yeah, the, the 180 was kind of in between the Grand Sport and the Rally 200, and the, the P200E was the last one that they had. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a 1970 Vespa 150 on Hemmings for 29.9. <laughs> what? Yes. 29.9? But I think, I think the price is because it says it only has 101 original miles on it. So and it's basically brand new. I mean, mine only has 900 more miles. <laughs> What's 900 more miles? Oh, this is... So they, they, they have it listed in the showroom for $34,900, but they're willing to give you a $5,000 discount on it. Mm. <laughs> it's in Woodson, Woodson Terrace, Missouri, Pete. So you can go. Um, yeah, no, I think that's absurd. 100% like, yes. Um, so I, you know, like I was telling you guys, I went through the carburetor on the Vespa and, you know, give it a really good cleaning out. And the thing just fires right up on the first kick. It runs great. It, it'll do 60 miles an hour. If you haven't ridden a Vespa like that, it is incredibly awkward to ride. I, I mean, I can't imagine a beginning motorcycle rider ever learning to ride on one of those. A Vespa P200E was the first thing I wanted. Yeah. And after I learned to ride, I actually had a chance to ride a P125X, exactly the same, except for the for the displacement. Yeah. Between the cable operated hand shift. Yes. And the total lack of stability, the tiny tires, the, the weight offset to one side, it is remarkably alarming. Yeah. Just going down the street at a steady speed. You feel like you're on the verge of control. (laughs) And if you have to do anything quickly, like if a car pulls out, like trying to figure out, you know, cause it's got like a foot brake, you know, like right. not, not, not like a motor. I mean, it's kind of like a motorcycle, but you actually have to, it's more like a car. Yeah. You have to lift your foot up to go to. Yeah. And the brakes are awful. The brakes are just horrible. They yeah. don't do much at all. You could almost stop faster. Just putting your feet on the ground and dragging. <laughs> and the way the front suspension articulates it like really dives over. Oh yeah. It's got like the pro pro dive front suspension. I mean, just like four inches of squish. Yeah. Like, I mean, way back when in like 1980 or 81 cycle magazine tested the Vespa 200 at the time. And their comment was, have you ever held a puppy that was real small but it was so squirmy, you couldn't hold on to it. That's what driving a Vespa is like. It's cute and endearing, but you really can't hold on to it because it's always half out of control. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a really good description. Someone, if they really wanted to, could use it as you know, a little commuter motorcycle. I'm not sure. I'm not like I don't know what people do with Vespas, like these old classic ones. Do people just buy them to look at? Do they buy them to use? There, there are some Vespa riders that are like the way chopper riders used to be in the 60s and 70s. The first one out in the spring and the last one out in the fall, and they're out in any kind of weather. They're going ridiculous distances, and I think others of them are just you know they ride to the corner and and yeah. Coffee on Sunday morning. Yeah, exactly. 
So yeah, we'll see what happens to it. That'll be up for sale here shortly. I'll probably put it on bring a trailer with a reserve. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done any more work to the RD350 project, although I don't remember if I did it before the last podcast, but I you know, put the, the engine cases in it with the cylinders on and the gold heads and sort of loosely put it together. I mean, just as a mock-up, I put my uh, anti-dive front forks on. So that's about what I've done. Nice your workshop itself all your all your rest or your reorganization yeah what there's a word i'm trying to think of your renovation work yeah it's um i'm in a good spot where i I, like sort of in a break period i basically just got it to a point where i can hang out for a little bit work on some motorcycles so i've got a mill and a lathe and since I had been working on the the workshop itself, uh, they had gotten kind of neglected. So I had to, they like got a lot of surface rust on them. So I spent like a whole day the other day, just scrubbing with a scotch bright pad and got all the, the flash rust off of the lathe in the middle and lubricated everything and cleaned it all. So now they're all happy machines again. Which is good. So I've got some engine work to do. Got to build that 421 for the RZ and then build the RD350 engine for the other motorcycle. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, you have been busy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of milling and lathing, I just got my new t-shirt. Mm. My Paul Brody, that's a good fit t-shirt. <laughs> Yeah. That uh, I have really been enjoying his YouTube videos lately. For somebody that likes fabrication, he's he's my favorite YouTuber right now. Yeah. Last month, did I have the front fender on the on the bride? Did you say it weighed, it weighed like five pounds for a? Oh yeah. for a, like a little. Mount? Everything yeah. everything in this bike is like an adapter on an adapter on an adapter. Like it it actually works really well, and it's really solidly on there. So I did that. And then we're rearranging our basement and wanted to put some shelves where other stuff was. So, you know, if you ever play that, uh, the 15 square puzzle, you've got one empty slot and you have to move all the tiles around Mm -hmm. to get them in order. Yeah. That's what was going on in our basement. The only way I could get an empty slot was to push all of my bikes into one corner of the shop and move a bunch of stuff in there. Uh, we had a safe in there and some other stuff. So it was like, I couldn't get at anything. So work on my existing projects had to stop because I couldn't even get to my toolbox. So when I didn't have anything else to do, I started looking at the Benelli frame, Benelli 2C. The one I have is from 72. It was a 250 parallel twin air-cooled two-stroke and it was a lot like an RD250. The frame actually looks a lot like the architecture of an early air-cooled RD. And I really wanted to build a bike with an ATC 250R motor. They're really cool looking. They've got a nice counterbalancer in them. So they, for a two-stroke single, run pretty smoothly. They don't vibrate too much. Uh, they don't make a lot of power. I mean, at the time, they were like, ooh, an 81 made like 20 horsepower. Mm-hmm. 
and they upped it every year. And I think the 84, which was the last year of the air cooled model made like 28. Yeah. Over four years, I think there was like three or four different cylinder arrangements. Halfway through 81, they upped the compression ratio and changed the porting. And then they did it again for 83 and 84. And then 85 is when they came out with the water-cooled one. And what's really interesting about this is it's a perfectly vertical cylinder, the way it's installed in the frame. But it's really obviously a CR250 crankcase if you just stuck on a big counterbalancer on the front that was gear-driven and a Kickstarter up high that kicks the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. So if you look at an 80 or 81 CR250, the transmission is exactly the same. So anyways, I bought all of the like head cylinder cases, covers to make a dummy engine. There's nothing Mm -hmm. in it. There's no crank. There's no transmission. There's no spark plug or anything, but at least I have the dimensions of it. And I figured out that, yes, it will fit in actually really nicely into this frame. Then I started playing around with how, what do I want to do for wheels? What I, and I kind of at some point said, wait a minute, I have all of this stuff. I have two wheels with tires on them that I keep moving around the shop for a project that I'm never going to get to. What would it look like if I put these big, fat, balloony looking tires on this. And I discovered that all of the parts that I had purchased for my KTM retro bobber thing I was going to do could be used on this. That one, I didn't have an engine for it. I really was kind of losing interest in it. So other than a frame hanging in the rafters, that's gone away. So actually just this morning, I just kind of did a mock-up of what would it look like with the tank that I had, with the engine that I had, with the forks and everything. And I was like, wow, that wasn't at all where I thought I was going to go with this. Because I was truly thinking of something that was going to look like a like a 250 uh, Morbidelli Grand Prix bike from mm-hmm. 1980 with the skinny tire, tall skinny tires, five-spoke mags on it. Totally different than what I have right now. Yeah, you get the whole street tracker vibe going on. Exactly. It, yeah, looked, yeah, yeah. it looks kind of like a little bit of a hipster bobber thing. Like it should have a flat brown seat on it. When I first did, I was like, yeah, I'm not feeling it. I happened to post a picture of it on the Facebook air cooled ATC 250 owners website. Everyone is like, this is really cool. And Greg Bastek, who used to be uh, editor of Old Bike Journal when I wrote for Old Bike Journal, which later was Bike Journal International, uh, I didn't know even know he was in the group. And he got on there and he's like, yeah, I'm digging the fat tire look. So I'm I'm kind of convinced that, you know what, let it be what it's going to be. I think it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I have a fourth project now <laughs> with this. Benelli frame. The cool thing is it has separate cup and ball bearings on it, like a bicycle, like a headset Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you can just tap out. Okay. I'm going to have to create some cups to mount a real front end on there. But then at the same time, 
I was going out and looking online and I found a parts book and I found a Benelli part number for it. At the time, Benelli, Motobuy, Motoguzzi were all owned by uh, Alejandro Di Sommaso. Mm. So they used the same part numbers. They just had GU before Motoguzzi numbers. So I typed in GU and the same number. And guess what? Motoguzzi V50 Monzas used exactly the same headsets. And I thought there's enough V50 Monzas out there. Somebody has made a conversion kit. And sure enough, there is. EPM Engineering, which is sold through GoozyPower.com, machined adapters to put a standard tapered roller bearing in a V50 frame. So I spent the $95 because I was like, yeah, I could get a blank. Mm-hmm. I could try to machine it, get the tolerances right. If you get it wrong, you're out what you paid for the you know four inch round bar stock that you're cutting this out of. To get that shape, you're going to have to hog a whole bunch of metal. I was like, you know what? 90, $95 shipped. It's worth a C-note to not have to do that. Yeah, it's just worth paying. So I got them in and sure enough, they fit great. Everything works. Uh, I will need to make a new steering stem to go into the triple clamps that I'm using, but it's an alloy bottom clamp, so it's not welded. I can just press it out, make one to the right dimensions and press it in. I'm using Ninja 1000R, like the A model, first Ninja 1000 forks, but I'm using a Yamaha Venture front wheel and and triple clamps. I needed something that would fit the bolt pattern for the Yamaha wheel, but the Venture had a much larger disc than the Ninja 1000. So I'm like, okay, I need 280 millimeters in a Yamaha bolt pattern. Uh, Forget the name of the website, but there's a German website that has like a bazillion different designs, all line drawings with dimensions on them. And sure enough, the rear disc for a 1700cc V-Star is the right bolt pattern, and it's 282 millimeters. So by radius, it's only a millimeter bigger. So I went ahead and I was going to order one, and they're directional. You know, they've got mm-hmm. the directional slots on it. I thought, oh, that's going to look weird if you put that on both sides. One of them is going to be backwards. Well, then I went out on eBay and found a symmetrical aftermarket replacement that doesn't have directional slots on it. I was like, cool, this will work great. Uh, Got the Kawasaki brake mounted, put it on the disc. That one millimeter doesn't make any difference. There's clearance for it. That'll all work. So a lot of things on this have been coming together very nicely. The sprocket is actually a Honda XR rear sprocket that bolts up, but it's a millimeter too small center. So I need to make some kind of a arbor to fit it into the lathe and I need to take off a millimeter of it. I won't have a cush drive for it. Mm -hmm. I actually did come up with a way that you could mount a cush drive if I needed to, but I'm really thinking it's a 20 horsepower single. I don't think you need a cush drive. Dirt bikes don't have cush drives. No, but a lot of time when they do like super motos, 
they'll put the cush drive in there to protect the transmission. Yeah. I don't think it's a problem at all. Uh, what is it? The super Sherpa, mm-hmm. the Kawasaki had didn't have one. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other small, like dual purpose, but Oh, uh, the WR 250 R supermoto mm-hmm. didn't have one. Yeah. So, and really it's going to get babied. I'm not going to be like, hammering downshifts without the clutch and trying to wheelie this thing and stuff. That, so that, it's, that sounds all good and well till Garrett gets interested in it and goes, why don't you send that engine mm-hmm. up here? Let me see if I can clean that up a little for you. Actually, and it's got 40 yeah. horsepower. <laughs> well, actually I'm thinking <laughs> when I get this all done, I'm just going to find a rebuild engine on eBay and pay the, you know, whatever it is, 1200, $1,500 for yeah. an engine that's ready to go. So I I've really discovered that, chassis fabrication is my jam that Mm -hmm. I really, you know, when it comes to engine stuff, just give me an engine that works. It's just another component. I want to bolt into my chassis. So is that cylinder? I assume it is an iron sleeve. Yeah. It's not Chrome or anything like that. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I really like it. Are you going to do an up pipe? I probably could take a standard ATC pipe and run it up high like that. I think it'd be really cool with enough pipe. Yeah. As it is now, my original vision of what I wanted for this has gone totally out the window. I think it's really cool. I'm a big fan of it. I've actually already taken all the parts, put them on the shelf. That one's going away. And now I need to get working on the bride. I started working on that, mounting the fuel tank on it. I feel like there was other stuff I was going to mention. And I, oh, I went down a whole bunch of other avenues looking at front ends and i found out like tapered roller wheel bearings for old like 60s fiat 500s and 600s mm-hmm. are what i would need if i wanted to put a honda front end on it like an xr xl cr yeah i could do it with that it's like i just had a lot of fun going down all these little internet rabbit so, trails of trying to figure out how to match stuff up without actually having the parts in front of me. So I imagine doing this, you know, without the internet, you know, like if you needed to figure out what steering head bearing cup fit something or other, and you didn't have the internet. (laughs) Well, you know, I will say before the internet, you went to your local salvage yard, your bike salvage yard. And you said, Hey, Robbie, can I go in the back and look around? And you took your your calipers mm-hmm. and you went back with your little cheat sheet and you measured all the junk parts to figure out what would work because of insurance. They don't let you do that anymore. And around mm-hmm. me, there, there aren't even any real salvage yards. There was one salvage yard about 40 minutes outside of town and they closed. There was when I was living in St. Louis, there was a big one downtown in St. Louis, but everybody sells all their stuff online now. Mm -hmm. There's not like you go into your local salvage yard and go rummaging through piles of rusty parts. So I think, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. You can't go physically look at the stuff anymore, but now you've got all of these parts, fiches, and stuff that you can look through online. Yeah. There's been a few times where on like eBay, I'm trying to find a part that might fit for something and I'll message a seller and be like, Hey, can you tell me this dimension on the part? One time I did that and the seller was like pretty rude about it. 
It's like, it fits the, the things listed in the description, nothing else. It's like, brother, I just want a dimension off of it. Yeah. Well, I, I can see if you've got 200 things listed, yeah. going and finding that one part to measure something for right. one person is, is not worth your time. But, uh, oh, when I bought the cylinder, I, I think I paid 185 for it shipped. It was the cylinder in the head. And I'm all excited to get it. And it shows up and literally the guy threw a quarter inch of foam in the bottom of a regular cardboard box. Oh, no. Threw the parts in there and put a one piece of tape across the top. I picked it up and you could just feel it rolling around inside. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is so bad. So I opened it up and sure enough, the bottom fin right at the very bottom about an eighth of an inch broken off. This is the second time I've had cooling fins on a cylinder damaged that I bought on eBay. It was great in the pictures. And when I arrived, it had been bent or broken. So I got back with the guy and I'm like, hey, I'm leaving you negative feedback. You should know better. This is a very heavy part with very fragile fins on it. This this was a piss poor job of packing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the next day I get a reply back. I'm really sorry. I'll give you money back. You can keep it. I'm 15 and I'm trying to make extra money. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I feel like such a jerk now. Well, he'll probably package things better now. <laughs> well, I said, you need to realize heavy parts. You need styrofoam, not just soft, cushy yeah. foam. You need to tape styrofoam all over it and then put it in a box and probably put multiple tape on the box and he's like well i'll refund your money i'm really sorry i don't want negative feedback because i'm just getting started at this you know i thought about it overnight i'm like no that's not fair and i wrote back and i said the head is still good the head is exactly what i paid for and this is still a functional cylinder there's no reason somebody couldn't use this i can dress down this fin and it's not original but it's not going to be distractingly bad yeah. How about if you knock 50 bucks off? Mm-hmm. And I said, if you knock 50 bucks off, send me your little request that I update my, and I'll give you positive feedback. So that's what I ended up doing. But I have a really bad luck ordering cylinders from eBay. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrett, Garrett, I have a mission for you. Yep. Uh, a week from Saturday. So that is the 14th at Portland International Speedway. KTM is having a demo day. Really? Yes. I'm off that day. There you go. Yeah. You said a PIR? Yes. And then the next day they're up in Seattle at PGP Motorsports Park. Not quite in your backyard, but close. Uh, yeah. Well, PIR is my backyard. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, 890 Duke. I'd like a report, please. <laughs> yeah. I've been looking at 890 Dukes. I've been trying to talk myself out of buying a motorcycle. I mean, I'm not going to buy a motorcycle, but I'm always tempted in the spring. Spring comes around. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you know what I need is another motorcycle. <laughs> I know the uh, Ducati Detroit is having an open house this weekend. And I'm just like, hmm. Yeah. Go look at that nine, nine, nine. 31 or 937 monster again, you know, whatever the new one is. Yeah. Just like- Our local Ducati dealer has three used 
Aprilia Tuanos, like all oh. 2018, 19. Oh, they have three of them. Wow. And like for pretty decent price too. Like I was 12. Kind of shocked. Yeah. 12, yeah. 12, five. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the most expensive one they have is 13, five, but it also has like 2000 miles on it. Right. Acropovic exhausts on them, oh. everything. I, I was poking around on, I think on Facebook marketplace the other day. So there was a 2012, which would be the thousand CC with somebody's pipe on it for like seven grand. Yeah. And then there was a 16, which I think was the first year for the 1100. And it was like 8,500 bucks. And I'm just like, mm, mm. yeah, you know, I was, I was waving my fist at my computer screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a lot of motorcycle. Yes, it is. It'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or damn near. I have to say, I have been really impressed with the reviews that the video reviews I've watched on the Tiger uh, 660? 660 Sport. Yeah. So after last after last month's uh, podcast, we just kept sending in a, in a circle like we'd find one. And I think we ended up with like yeah. seven or eight reviews yeah. that, that we all ended up posting in there. And, and Pete even said, like, I guess this is about the perfect motorcycle at this price range, isn't it? Yeah. If if you could buy one bike, yeah, that's a really reasonable way to get into a bike that you could do everything with. Ride the canyons, you could take a tour, you could commute on it, and it's it's going to be reliable. It's got all the bells and whistles. Yeah, it's it's nice. I haven't heard anybody say any really bad things about it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just well, like like you say, Garrett, it's like it's spring, and it's like. Uh, uh, and this goes off of a, a thing from 44 teeth, uh, which don't really need to get into, but um, just the whole thing of, and we've talked about it going for a ride and the whole mental health slash meditation aspects of just going for a ride for a couple hours and no, you know, well, I, when I say no phone, but you know, not connected or anything, just put it in your pocket and forget about it and no music, no nothing. Just go, go ride and lose yourself in the ride. I feel that was, that sounds so good right now. Yeah. Well, you just need to go buy a bike. Yeah. Can you talk to my wife, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's the whole thing. And that's, that's kind of how I started going down this rabbit hole is um, on, the, on the Ducati Monster, they're doing that semi sort of PCP financing where you can get one for like 125 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. We can talk all we want about how that's a really bad idea, but I spend 125 bucks a month on probably stupider stuff. Yeah. Right. So like, well, I, I may, I may try to have that conversation. I just may have to take her out for a nice dinner and mm-hmm. have some alcohol Yeah, <laughs> or, or walk her up the street and go, see, honey, isn't this pretty? And she'll, and she'll go like, yeah, well, is there, does there just happen to be like a nice restaurant right next to the Ducati dealer? You can make it spontaneous. Like, oh, look, there's well, one of our favorite breakfast places is pretty much across the street is the pancake house. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife did actually say to me just recently, she's like, if you want to buy a new motorcycle, you can do it. But how often are you going to ride it? And how much time are you going to spend walking around it in the garage? Okay, don't use logic with me, you know. So, because I I don't have much desire to commute to work on a motorcycle anymore. It's just too many distracted drivers in too small an area. 
I, that I've had. I have so many close calls in my car. Sarah and I took, uh, I had Good Friday off of work as a holiday. So we went out Thursday night, went to a place about an hour outside of town, woke up Saturday and did a really, she found some really nice roads and we did not a whole lot. We did maybe a hundred miles of just little twisty turny stuff that was around a reservoir down in, if you know, Missouri Truman reservoir has some really nice areas around it. And we just did a relaxing breakfast. Got it, it rained in the morning. So we kind of went into town, looked at a couple. She wanted to go to a coin shop and stuff. So we did that. And then, uh, it was dry by noon. So we took the afternoon and just rode around and came back the next day. It was so nice. I really was kind of down on my spider thinking, you know, do I want to trade it in? Do I want to get something else? Do I want to get, go back to a bike after that? I was like, no, this really is exactly what I want. It's paid for. I just had all the maintenance done on it. I had so much fun and it was just, as you said, you're never thinking about someplace else that you want to be or what you're going to do when you get home. You're just in the moment out enjoying really nice roads, no traffic. It was like a roller coaster, constant curves, bends, huge elevation changes, you know, really steep descents and stuff. We just had a blast and we weren't like going crazy. I mean, we were, you know, yeah. we were maybe within 10 miles an hour of the speed limit the whole way, but uh, we had a blast. I just think once a, once a week or maybe twice a week, I just, just need that to clear my head, you know? But anyways, we'll see. We will see. Probably not, but we will see. I would consider buying a new motorcycle, but I think I'm in that point of my life where I, I don't, I, it's hard to identify one motorcycle that I would want that like does everything that I want it to do. Right. Cause I still like, I don't know. Do I want just a solidly highway cruiser that's heavy and just as comfortable to ride or do I want something sporty? And then there's always a temptation of riding it too fast and I don't really want to go down. So it's like, I don't know. It's just, that's kind of where I've fallen in the sort of monster slash KTM eight, eight ninety, you know, triumph kind of it's fast enough. You know, it's got like a hundred and hundred to 110 horsepower weighs about 400 pounds. It's enough to have all the fun in the world enough to scare you occasionally mm-hmm. and, and keep you honest, but you know, it's, but flexible enough to do kind of whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, you may, maybe you don't want to go do like 600 miles in a day on it, but mm-hmm. you know, you can still do two, two, maybe 300 miles on it pretty comfortably. Yeah. Did I send you guys the, uh, moto deal, the beyond the ride review of the, uh, CLX 700 sport. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's very complimentary. It's another one of those reviews that talks very favorably about CF moto and that particular bike. And he said, the sport doesn't really have a terribly uncomfortable. It's got the clip ons on it. So it's a little bit more sporty position, but he said it really wasn't uncomfortable and he's not the tallest guy. He's like, he's like five, six. I mean, he's, he's from the Philippines. So he's a, shorter Asian guy. And, uh, I could do that. I mean, for, you know, seven grand or whatever it is. That's yeah. A- so where do they sell these things? 
Is it like uh, CF Moto? Like, where do they deal CF Moto? They've been selling uh, side by sides all over the country for years. I'm yeah. sure there's a CF Moto dealer in Portland somewhere. Is the engine derived from something? Is it like a clone it's, of? It's a derivative of the Kawasaki uh, 650 that's in the Versus and the 650 Ninja. Uh, okay. Because CF Moto actually manufactures Kawasaki's. So they licensed it and they bored it out a little bit and changed to a couple little things, but basically it's the Kawasaki 650 motor, but it's got cruise control and ride modes yeah. and uh, all the cool stuff that it has. So right. that's kind of cool. I actually haven't watched any reviews on it. So I'm going to do that when we're done with this. Well, we probably should think about wrapping up. What do we got going on for next time? I have, crated up the Boltaco motor to go to Ralph Weedling to get a rebuild on it by next month. Hopefully he'll have it and be at least working on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll try to get some more done to the RZ 350. Um, Now, do you have a title for that? Is that something you can put on the street? I do. Yeah. That'll be easy to register, which is one of the other reasons why it's attractive as a project because I don't have to dink around with registration. So yeah, I'll get some more work done to the chassis and probably have a good plan for the engine. Cool. And Eric, you're going to, I'll, I'll, I'll do what I normally do with my bike. <laughs> Ignore it. It depends on if we can get a couple nice days, you know, I, I need, I need like three hours and some motivation to see if I can just completely yank the, the motor out of there, out of the, out of the chassis so I can move on with it. Um, I, I finally found out how to get to the last bolt that's holding it in there. And I basically got to pull off the, the clutch and side cover and that whole thing to get to it. So um, I started to do it and I'm like, Oh, I better not be doing this. Then I found something else that says, Oh, no, nope, that's what you got to do. So I'm like, all right. So I'm trying to keep my disassembly as, as little as possible. Cause I'm sure I've already lost a bunch of stuff for it. So, yeah. Cause that's how that works. The gnomes come in and every mm-hmm. so often take apart. Yep. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Okay, um, I'll put the uh, reviews that we talked about, the YouTube reviews, I'll put links in our Hooniverse article for this month's episode. So you can go to Hooniverse and watch those and uh, pictures of Garrett's bike and my bike and everything else that we talked about, you can go see there. And uh, we will be back next month for our May episode. And hopefully one of us will have a running bike by then. <laughs> possibly more than one of us who knows okay thanks guys have a good one yeah bye-bye